incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Welcome to the Rebellion, another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. How is everyone doing? Thanks for joining me here today. And I'm not ready. I'm almost ready. I think that's fine. We'll be fine, right? It's fine. It's fine. How are you guys doing? Everything's fine over here. Yes, here we are. Another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. We're going to have fun today. Thank you, as always, for joining me on this Saturday. Thank you guys for being here. There's a lot that we're going to be talking about. You can see there on the screen, A New Hope. We're going to be doing our rewind of A New Hope, the first of all the Star Wars movies. But before then, we're going to review another great episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 12, The Siege. Whew. But before we get to it, how are you guys doing today? hope you guys are doing fine. I, I miss you guys. I miss you guys. This week sometimes go fast, sometimes go a little bit slower, but... We are here talking Star Wars, talking with you guys. Let me say hi to a couple of people over there. Over the chat, our friend Michael from the Two Met Two Network says that he's at work, but he's listening. That's all that we need. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for taking the time and listening to us here at work. Hopefully, you don't get in trouble, but don't blame me. That's fine. You can blame me. They can find me, I hope, I think. All right, but thanks, Michael, for being here. Our old friend, Dale. Dale Erdman, how are you doing? Three, two, one, go. Yeah, no, I was a little bit late today. I tried to start right at five. I started a few minutes late. Like I mentioned, I wasn't ready. I didn't have everything ready, but we are, we're good. And go on three, Mr. Rez. Tony, how are you doing, Tony? Thanks for being here. And yeah, you said it there. We're recording. It's all good. We're here to talk Star Wars. It doesn't matter. Sometimes things go perfect. Sometimes they don't. We're used to things not going perfect here, but... So great, because you guys are here listening to some Star Wars talk. Uh, so yes, yeah, I don't know if you can see it. I have my Jedi Order, uh, Fallen Order, Jedi, Fallen Jedi, that game that's out there. I, I don't play the games, unfortunately, but my wife got me the, the shirt. So I'll be talking about it. It's one thing at the end of the episode that I thought was going to be tying in, but who knows, maybe not. All right, let's 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 start. We've been talking for too long already, three minutes. We're fine. You guys are fine. We're talking Mandalorian. We're talking A New Hope a, li a little bit later. I have my water today, so I'm not going to be running out of out of breath or less. Let me, let me take a quick sip. All right, hopefully you guys don't hear me sipping and drinking my water all over the, the chat, but it's fine. It's only 3.05. It's 3.05 over there. I don't even... 5.05, 3.05. So good, Dale. We're we're on time. If we're starting, we start at the correct time. It's like Gandalf used to say. Uh, we saw this never late, nor his uh, OEC early arrives at the moment he's supposed to arrive. So that's that's Radio Rebellion. We start when we're ready. And we're ready. And let's go ahead. Let's go and talk about Chapter 12, 
the siege of the Mandalorian. This was directed, directed by Griff Carga himself, called Weathers, doing, I believe, his directorial debut. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is his first time directing the Mandalorian reviews. Here we go, because we are talking this week in Mandalorian reviews. So, yeah, there we are, the original trio of the Mandalorian, Griff. Mando and Cara Dune. So last week was a doozy. We all we talked about it here last week. Probably probably my favorite of the season, maybe of the whole show. Last week with the heiress, uh, we got the return of Bo Katan. But that was last week, and I think this this season, especially the the idea of not doing this as a full-on streaming that just just binge binge it on, in one sitting give us all eight chapters at once i think it's proven that they went the correct method with doing every episode weekly it does not just build that anticipation but being star wars there's a lot of theories that we throw around and we need that whole week to get all our theories and our thoughts together because every episode gives us a lot of things you can just take it surface level or go a little bit higher and then just keep going so yes very good that we're getting each episode weekly and this before we start let's address it real quick i don't want to make too much of it but we'll address it because uh here at radio rebellion and by we at radio rebellion i mean me because i'm the the only one running this show uh we don't agree with everything or with what's been i don't know if said or at least posted by Gina Carano, some of her views and all that stuff that's out there on Twitter. I know a lot of people were then didn't want her to continue on the show, just write her off or whatever. Um, so we don't agree with maybe with her personal views, but we're here to talk about the show. She plays a very important character on the show, especially this season. So we're going to separate the actor from the character and just focus on Cara Dune and what she brought to this episode and to the season going forward. Um, after, earlier this week, I was thinking, that's that. That's the only thing I'm going to say about it. But I was thinking about the season, how it, it's going so far compared to season one and what's you know, the story behind it. Season one, at least for Mandalorian, for Dean Jaren's identity, when the show was about his identity, right? We were introduced to him as a bounty hunter, and that's how we know him, and he starts shedding that bounty hunter identity more towards a Mandalorian identity. Every person that he meets reminds him, oh, you're a Mandalorian. Uh, when he meets Quill, oh, your ancestors used to ride a mythos, so you should be able to get on this blurg and be just fine. And everyone he met, oh, you're a Mandalorian, go kick butt, that's what you're supposed to do. So he's always reminded that he's supposed to be a Mandalorian, not just a bounty hunter. Again, when we meet him, he has this beat up Mandalorian armor. What's the first thing he does? Gets Beskar because he's already been at that first episode. His armor gets scratched. This isn't Beskar. You really a Mandalorian? So it's that identity of his switching from a bounty hunter to a Mandalorian. And we see this especially in episode six, The Prisoner, which is again his own prisoner of a bounty hunter, shedding that and then becoming a full on Mando, like his creed used to say. This is the way, don't remove your helmet and all that stuff. So it's his transition from bounty hunter identity to a Mandalorian identity. And then so far this season, not counting this episode that we just saw yesterday, is challenging that Mandalorian identity. Yes, you're a Mando, but are you the right type of Mando? And that's what 
we see in chapter one, he meets Cop Band, removes his helmet. The first thing he says, who do you take took that armor from? You're not a real Mandalorian. So again, the identity of being a real Mandalorian comes into play. We see this then in chapter nine and 10 with Frog Lady kind of reminding him, oh, you're a Mandalorian. Isn't it part of your creed to keep your word? So it's still that balance of you're a Mandalorian, keep that identity. And then, of course, last episode with Bo-Katan, oh, you're a child of the watch, religious sellouts, or trying to bring back the always of Mandalore. That's not, that's not what this is about. So that's when she throws in his face the first time that she says, this is the way. He's just mocking him and all that he believes that he has. And then by the end of it, it's will your bravery will be remembered. This is the way. Basically saying the way of the Mandalorian is not just don't remove your helmet and all that stuff you've been ingrained with. There's another path and it's helping your brothers, helping your Mandalorians. And that's what is going to be moving forward. So I really hope that this keeps going through the season, that by the end of it, he has the duality that he has to choose. Is it the way of his covert with the armorer, how he was brought up with Death Watch, Children of the Watch, whatever you want to call them, and then Night Owls and their beliefs of Mandalorian. That's going to come to clash and how he responds, how he reacts to this is going to be very interesting. I really hope there's a scene between both Katan and the armorer, which I will see if we if it gets revealed who the armorer is and if she has some connection to both Katan, Rebels, Clone Wars, anything that we've seen before. Have that conversation between the two of them, very similar to Captain America Civil War. And here we go. I'm going MCU and DC and all the type of movies. Uh, Captain America and Civil War with Iron Man and Captain America having that conversation, discussion of what's a real superhero supposed to be. Are we supposed to be controlled or be looked over by the government or whatever? Like Iron Tony Stark was saying, oh, Steve Rogers, no, we can't give our independence away. We have to do this our way. We also seen this in Batman versus Superman, maybe not as well, but we see that duality. What, a, what should a superhero do to for the end task, the end goal. We're all reaching to the same goal of saving the world or saving someone. It's just how we how we get to that goal. It's very well done if you've seen the Netflix Marvel shows in the second season of Daredevil. Daredevil and Punisher have a great conversation. I think it's episode two on a rooftop. Again, we're both fighting crime. It's just how you get to that end goal that's the, what makes you, what makes that person on the inside. I think that's the same way with Dean Jaren and those two visions of being a true Mandalorian, the way of the Mandalore, that I think if it gets explored in a very serious way, especially between Bo-Katan and the Armorer, might elevate this show even, even more. All right, so that's what I have to say about that before we start going into and reviewing a little bit of chapter 12. All right, so let me check your comments real quick, because I like talking to you guys. I want makes this show a little bit different than some of the others. So we have Michael saying, when I was talking about Gina Carano's comments and all that, don't talk about it, the cancel culture will be after you, I don't know. So we will be all over it tonight. So you'll talk about it, I'll leave that to you guys. You, after hours, late night, that's what that's all, it, that's what that's all about. So I'll let you, Michael, deal with that. Dale adds, I still don't know what she said, but I can find out later. Or if someone wants to send me a Twitter DM, that works too, again. And then Michael kind of answers it. I'm not gonna go. And yeah, like Mr. Rez says, it's a lot. It's a lot, Dale. So don't worry. If you haven't heard about it, then don't search for it. Sometimes I th I think 
we don't all have to have an opinion on something, have to be going crazy about everything that's out there. Just if you haven't heard about it, just enjoy it. Sometimes that's something that I sometimes miss, miss about just being a casual fan. You sit down, watch the movies or the TV shows, and then just keep going with your life. You don't have to remember every single fact and make a decision about everything. So I do miss that sometimes. But then I wouldn't have this show and talking to you guys about it. So I'll take that trade off. All right, so let's go ahead and start. Chapter 12 of Mandalorian. This much more similar to season one than season two so far. It follows season one's storyline, basically. Uh, season two has been his quest. This is a joke out there on Twitter about people. Will he keep saying, oh, I'm being quested? Every episode he has to say, I'm being quested to take the child to the Jedi. So this episode is not about that. It's it, Although it is touched upon, and by the end of it, that's where he's going. It's more closely related to season one. Remnants of the Empire, we have Moff Gideon and our main trio, and they have some conflict between them. So it follows more season one than season two, which is fine. There still has to be a correlation between both seasons. And with Moff Gideon still in play, uh, we saw him last week in that hologram when the other uh, Imperialists said, hey, we need reinforcements. We need to uh, send someone. We can jump to hyperspace and meet the fleet. So we know that an Imperial fleet is still out there. Moff Gideon is the guy in charge. So that's still in place. So that's what this episode was about. And there's a lot in this episode for canon, no, excuse me, expanding the lore of Star Wars and lore of Mandalorian. There's a lot on this episode, and I think it was done great. Carl Weathers, the writing team, everyone did a great job on this episode. Um, so it starts with, as always, the Razor Crest, we talked about it last week. He, he had has to change that ship, right? It's broken down. It's even worse than the Millennium Falcon. That still flies. I don't know how the hell the Razor Crest went into hyperspace to get from that planet last week to where we find them at the beginning of this episode because it's broken down. Parts are falling every time they go into hyperspace or just speed up a little bit. So I don't know how he made it, but again, it wasn't that far. He tells baby, baby Groot that they can make it. Uh, so yeah, so we start that, that scene with Baby Groot and Rocket Raccoon trying to stop up going up. Uh, baby Groot is going to hit a button. Oh no, that's, that's Guardians of the Galaxy chapter two or episode two. This is the Mandalorian. Again, it was a great scene with Baby Yoda up in the control panels trying to connect, disconnect the red one, put the red wire on the red plug, put the blue wire on the red plug, don't put them together. Very funny scene. As soon as I'm seeing it, I've seen this before. It's a funny bit and I'll take it. I'll watch it every day of the week. But it was very similar to that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when Baby Groot has the the detonator for the bomb and, and Rocket Raccoon is telling him, no, you see, I put that tape that says, don't press that button, don't press. And he's like, Baby, I'm good. Uh, I am good. So you know it's going to happen. So again, funny scene, seen it before, but it's Star Wars. We'll, we'll still laugh. It was a very funny scene. Then you get all the smoke in Mando's face and like, well, it was worth, worth a shot, which made it funnier because then he knew it wasn't going to work. So that's what I think that was my my favorite part of the scene because he knew it wasn't going to work. So, oh, well, worth a shot. Anyway, he tells him they got that great scene. It's already like 20 memes out there of them just drinking that soup. And then he goes, he can't take his helmet. 
in front of Baby Yoda. Come on, Din. You're better. He opens his, pulls, pulls his helmet up to his mouth, takes a sip, pulls it down. Hey, we won't be able, able to make it to the planet Corvus, I think it was. And then we're just going to have to go to Navarro, and we'll get there. So they get to Navarro, and as we're going there, we see... During the sewers where we met the Mandalorian covered last season, it's all broken down. Some gangsters or thieves have taken over. And then we have the Marshal. The second Marshal we've seen this season so far. We had the Marshal of Mosfell going cop band. And now we have the Marshal of Navarro with um, Cara Dune. Mar Marshal Dune came in. Again, we're just focusing on the character here. Great scene, great action scene. She kicks butt. We have all those walrus people that took over the place. They're going to kill this little ferret creature, which is as cute as ever. I don't like ferrets. I mean, ferrets are fine, but some weasels are kind of weird. Uh, we have a cute little weasel ferret from Navarro there who's going to get chopped off. But Cardoon comes in, clears house, and says, all right, you're not going to be anyone's dinner. Just get out of here. I got to take this back. Mando comes in, meets the magistrate, Griff Karga. So we have the marshal. Cara Dune, the Magistrate Karga, which is Grandpa. Grandpa Grief takes a little baby Yoda. Oh, here's that little one. How are you? Is he feeding you? Is he treating you right? Again, a grandpa. Grandpas always do that. And what do they do? Let's take him to school. Come on, let's go to school. He'll be fine here. He'll learn a little bit something. And then Dean Darren, or Mando dad, as any dad taking his kids to school for the first time. He's, he doesn't want to leave them. He's like, no, no, come on, I go. Wherever he goes, I go. Wherever I go, he goes, he'll be fine here. It's at school. Just let me go. You'll, you'll come back after lunch or you'll pick him up after school. You can just take him home. So very, very bad. So they'll ask the Tarantula people in the sewer. Say they do look like Tarantulas. Who is the Admiral Trench? Isn't from Clone Wars. Looks like a Tarantula also. So yeah. So very that scene with Mando leaving Baby Yoda in school. And then Baby Yoda does what we will, and I posted this yesterday, this morning, what we would all do if we had the force, we wouldn't get up all the way to go to the kitchen to grab a beer, grab a snack. No, we'll just use the force, bring that to us. Baby Yoda, you can see him over my shoulder down there. He's thinking about it. There's another one over here. I want those cookies. I want those blue cookies you kill and you're going to give. No force. He goes, he gets the cookies, the macarons, whatever you want to call them, blue milk cover Oreos, like our friend Cambray said yesterday, uses the force, starts hitting the cookies. The kid's like, what, 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 what the hell just happened? What's this new kid? And we have some great nods, at least on my, on my end, some great nods to Solo a Star Wars story. We had the Mimbanese at the beginning. So when Mando gets to Navarro, Razor Crest is all beat up. And Griff Karga tells his two guys, hey, start working on the ship. One of them is a Mimbanese. We have, they mentioned the uh, Archidis Maelstrom, that's from Solo. Uh, they mentioned Castle. So at least to me, I'm thinking, oh, Solo, there's stuff about Solo coming here. Maybe they're hinting at something. So yeah, so we had that great scene in the school with the protocol droid teaching the kids a bunch of stuff about the core wars, the inner worlds. Outer Rims, Achilles Maelstroms, all this, it doesn't matter. We all focus on Baby Yoda getting those cookies. And hi to Salacious Ronda, Kowakia Monkey, Lizard Army, as always, saying pr 
present here on Radio Rebellion. Thanks for being here today, Salacious. Uh, so yeah, so they tell Mando, hey, your ship is gonna be here a while. We need your help with something. He's like, eh, no, I'm quested. I gotta take this kid somewhere. Oh, it's gonna be a while. Really? It was half a day and the ship was ready, but we'll get to that in a second. So they say, hey, there's, a, there's an Imperial base on the other side of Navarro. We've cleaned up the town. We want this to be a, a market, what was it, a trade anchor, a trade anchor for the region. So if we can get rid of that Imperial base, there's just a few people over there. It's a skeleton crew at the most. The three of us will take care of it. That cleans up the town, and then we can set this up as a real trade port for everyone. So he says, all right, I got to wait. I got to wait anyway till math class or history class is done over there with Baby Yoda. Let's get, let's get rid of some of these Imperials and then I'll be on my way. So who do we find at that point? Our old friend, the Mithril. And then I posted this on Twitter this morning. We had episode one, hey, Wiki, give me a drink. Then we have Frog Lady and now we have Mithril. So three alien characters with no names, just being referred to by the species or what they look like in Frog Lady, but the Weequay, it was Cobb Vanth who called him Weequay. We know they know each other because of that flashback scene that we saw. The Mithril, come on, he's, he has a pop, he has a Funko action figure out there, so I'm sure that has, he has a name. I don't want to get into another controversy, and I don't think it is, I think, and I, was having a conversation with someone on Twitter earlier today about, I think this is just John Favreau having fun the way he grew up with Star Wars. When we all watch Star Wars, we just mentioned uh, Walrus Man and uh, Tarantula people. When Star Wars came out, 77, 80, and 83, all these alien creatures didn't have names. We just referred to them for their appearance, whatever they looked like. Then slowly they started getting a backstory and a name and all that. So I think this is just, Favre, just John Favreau having fun with that same idea and just, hey, that's that's a creature. Let's let people just create their own story and their name if they want. But I'm sure we'll get a visual dictionary at some point with all the names and backstories and all that stuff. But we see Mithro from episode one of season one. He's back and he's treated like crap through this whole episode. He has a 300 year sentence or whatever that he's trying to work off. And they say, hey, you're gonna be our driver, get your speeder, we're going to, to this Imperial Fortress, Imperial Base, and the other side of the lava fields. So they get there, and as soon as they get there, I knew something was gonna happen. So we see that platform at the top. And then they say, okay, Mithro, he's gonna leave, and Griff Carga said, hey, come help us, I'll knock off another 30 years from your sentence, or 100 years or whatever, come open this door. And this is when I say he's, he gets treated like crap. He knows nothing about Imperial codes, how to slice doors. He's not a master code breaker. He has a, a screwdriver. He's not Doctor Who with his magic screwdriver. He said, come on here and open that door. Hey, hurry up. Dude, it's been like five seconds. The dude doesn't have tools to open doors. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And you're just giving him grief, grief, Karga. It's been five seconds, open the door. What's taking you so long? Just open it. And he's like, hey, this is like plumbing. Said, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And then Mando jumps off. He said, I've, I've had it. I'm just going to use my jetpack, go all, all the way to the platform. As soon as he goes up and we just lose him over the platform, I was 100% sure that a trooper was just going to fall down a second later. They waited a little bit more. 10 seconds later, a trooper falls down. Again, we expected it, nothing 
that Mando wouldn't do. Doors open, they shoot up, and then they meet Dean Jordan up there. He's taking out like six stormtroopers, and he's like, uh, it's, it's not an empty base. So anyway, we don't need to go through the whole scene. The point is they rush through the Imperial base, a military base, supposedly. They get to the other side, and they find two guys trying to push data from this computer terminal. And when they see them coming, oh, just destroy them. They start shooting at the terminal just to blow all the information out. You can see that they have the cloning emblems on their arms. So again, we're going back to season one, those first two or three episodes talking about cloning and all the theories out there about why they want Baby Yoda. It has something to do with cloning. Is Baby Yoda a clone of Yoda? Are they going to use them to create more Yodas because all the species are force sensitive? All that just came rushing back. Oh, they're still going with cloning. So they killed those two guys. And then here's where it starts getting even more interesting. They said, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on in this space? They turn around and you see there's about three, again, three tanks. And I'm pretty sure everyone's on the same mindset that those were early Snoke clones. At least look very similar to Snoke clones that we saw on Rise of Skywalker. So I'm pretty sure that's what they were. We Then they tell again, poor Mithril that doesn't know anything. Hey, go slice that terminal that they just shut down. They took all the information out. They blasted that terminal like 10 times. Now go find us some data. It's like, okay, I'll go do it. <laughs> Excuse me, and just knocks the guy out. That was kind of funny. But again, he doesn't know anything about computer terminals, slicing. Just go do this. I think at that point, maybe he had the code cylinder that Griff had taken from the other guy. But yeah, Michael, like you said, and we see Snoke. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement that it was Snoke, which again, it's a great connection to the movies. We've talked about it here before, and it's not nothing that we're breaking is being confirmed years ago or last year that this show was going to show the beginnings of the first order and it starts showing we saw it last week when they said that there's an imperial fleet somewhere and now of course with this episode so then we have a hologram of dr pershing comes come up that man does like oh that's all because um of gideon is that no no this recording is from three three days ago so this stuff is still going on and he freaks out of course but before that, we have a, a great conversation by Dr. Pershing that we talked about. I don't remember if I mentioned it here, but I think it was when I was on the round table with Geeky Waffle a few weeks ago. Uh, goes from Trial of the Force as we need more. We need to see what happened to Dr. Pershing, and here he is. So he mentions uh, that this specimen rejected the blood at the, after the first day. So everything was fine for 24 hours, and then the specimen rejected the blood. There's mentions of M-counts. M-counts, we all know, midichlorians, so that's great. Uh, they say that they won't find a subject with a higher midichlorian, uh, with a higher M-count than the child, so they need to get it back to extract more blood. So that's why they wanted Baby Yoda. They needed the midichlorians to do something. There's also a mention, and I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it. Maybe I took it the wrong way when I saw it, but I saw it a few minutes ago. He meant Dr. Pershing mentions that he wants to stop the experiment because he doesn't think that he believes that the volunteer will suffer the same fate. Who's volunteering for this? So I I'm really interested in knowing who's the volunteer. They're talking about who's volunteer volunteering to get the midichlorians. It's not Moff Gideon, obviously. It has to be someone else. I don't know if they're talking about the Snoke host 
the emperor himself. I don't know. I'm very interested in who this volunteer is. But okay, so why do they need Baby Yoda? Why do they need midi-chlorians? What are they doing here? So like I mentioned before, there were a bunch of theories last year about first, are all the Yoda species force sensitive? I would say at this point, yes, because that's the only way that they would know that to extract midi-chlorians from, from the child is if they know that this species is force sensitive. Is the child a... Uh, clone of Yoda himself? I don't think so, but who knows? So obviously this then push you to, at least myself, to Rise of Skywalker, the Rise of Skywalker novelization that we know the Emperor had a lot of, was dealing with cloning, wanted to have a lot of clone host bodies to send his essence in case he perished. We know he was thrown down the reactor shaft in Return of the Jedi, his essence went to a clone body. The clone body couldn't sustain it because it wasn't powerful enough in the force to sustain all his dark energy. And then all those bodies keep degenerating. We know that Ray's father is a clone of Palpatine, but it wasn't force sensitive, didn't have that issue. So that's why he was running around all crazy and doing all the stuff he was doing. And then of course you have Snoke and his deformations, but he can support the host. So is that what this is all about? We'll see in the creation of the first Snoke slash Emperor's clone body. So it's very interesting, bridges the gap between the Mandalorian and the sequel trilogy. And I think they're doing a great job and it's extremely interesting to me. So we leave that. Um, Mando says, oh, if Moff Gideon is still alive, they're still looking for the child, I gotta go. He's not staying for after school. I'm gonna go pick him up right now. So he bounces and he's like, hey, I'm jetting out of here. You guys can deal with it. So he leaves. And then we have Moff Gideon, Cara Dune, and Demithro have to find a way out of this Imperial base. And it's not a military installation. It's actually a lab. That's what Cara Dune says. It's obvious at that point, we have to blow this up, destroy, uh, blow up the reactor as they do always in Star Wars. Let me take a sip of my water because I'm starting to get my throat a little. I think my the funniest scene, at least for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people out there, I know the beginning with Baby Yoda Mando was extremely funny, but to me it's when they tell the Mithril, go, go to the control panel over there and shut the reactor down. What's the first thing he says after saying, oh, I'm afraid of heights and falling and lava and all that stuff. He, he takes a step into that pathway. There's no guardrails. And again, that's an in-house joke. We all know what it means. We know that there's no guardrails in Star Wars. Guardrails in Star Wars. But it was very funny, the very organic the way he saw it. There's no guardrails here, here. So yeah. So to me that was pretty funny and my favorite part, funny part of the episode. Um so as Mando is living, I, I found this another thing interesting because we all say stormtroopers can't shoot they miss everything at least on this episode they don't miss unfortunately the best call reflects everything back because when mando gets up there all the shots of the stormtroopers are shooting at him or the blaster shots they keep hitting him hitting him but unfortunately everything bounces off because best car so if it wasn't best car i think those mando those stormtroopers might have a couple of kills on here on their on their, their cheat sheet but unfortunately it doesn't um so then we get a great um escapes in a great chasing they all get into this did i write it down i didn't write it down this trooper carrier this something marauders the name of it 
that the three of them go, they go over the cliff into this lava canyon and just speeding out. It's a reverse trench run, I guess. It's the easiest way to explain it. They're going down the canyon. Yeah, we did it. They destroyed the mithril speeder. It doesn't matter. We're just jetting out of here. And then we have that great shot from the stormtroopers on their speeders going down the cliff and following them like we saw in the trailer. And we have a great scene there. Again, another trench run, basically. They take care of them pretty easy, but then we see four TIE fighters go after them. TIE fighters are great, especially those special TIE fighters with their folded wings. They go after them, start blowing everything up. They blow up one of the, the gun turret. And when it looks like they're going to get shot down, we have a reverse shot. One of them gets blows up, blown off, and then here comes the Razor Crest, the Mandalorian theme. Races up, everything start, everyone starts cheering. Din Jaren's back, he's saving everyone. He's doing flips, baby Yoda's on his roller coaster. Woo, this is so fun. Eating more cookies. I don't know how many cookies that packet got, but he's still eating. And then Mando does what every great pilot does in Star Wars. I'll try spinning. That's always a good trick. So he starts doing the spinny spins against the other two. TIE Fighters destroys one of them and then does a spinning shot, kills the other one. Everyone's celebrating and then Baby Yoda dies like, oh no, this doesn't taste so good, blah. And then he speeds up like Groot also does on, on Galaxy number two. But again, and then Din Djarin does another great parenting move. He's just cleaning Baby Yoda's mouth with his, with his cloak, with his cape. We all have done. If you have kids, they throw up. The first thing you can grab your shoe, your, not your shoe. Come on, you didn't hear. I'll I'll take that off. You don't clean your baby with a shoe, your shirt or your pants, your cloak, whatever. Whatever you have close to 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 your kids, you just wipe their mouth. It's just a little spit up. They'll be fine. Uh, but that was pretty funny to see that. So after that, they return to Navarro, have a quick conversation. Actually, no, my my bad. Mando leaves says, hey, I got to take the, the child somewhere. And Moff Gideon is out there. I got to leave before he finds me. So he jets out. And we have the New Republic come to Navarro. I forgot the name of the character that we saw in episode two. He's asking questions. But the best part, of course, when he's talking to Cara Dune, makes the mention that she was with the New Republic before. They really could use her help. She, they learned that she was from Alderaan. Hey, I'm sorry that you lose everyone. She said, I lost, I lost everyone. He leaves a little mellow if she wants to come back. I'm not a joiner, Blue. I don't know what, what that Blue mentioned, but it was good. But actually, the best part is when he's telling her that the New Republic, at least the X-Wing pilots, they're the police out there in the outer rim. They know that something's up with the Empire. It's not just Remnant. This iron aren't isolated incidents, something is going on, but the core worlds, they don't believe us. And if you read Bloodline, this is Leia telling everyone, the First Order, they're building something. It's important. They're like, no, no, you're just crazy. You're a warmonger, forget about that. And we can see that also here. That's, we know that something's happening, but the people out there they, in the core worlds that can actually do something, they don't believe us. So we gotta be on the lookout for each other. Then we have our closing with this, that Star Destroyer, that destroyer where Moff Gideon is at. We find out that the Mimbanese from the beginning was actually working with the Empire. He put a tracker on the Razor Crest. And Moff Gideon is like, great, does he still have the asset? Yes, all right, we'll be ready. So he's doing his stuff. 
and then that great shot of Moff Gideon and all those black something just lining rows, like 50 of those things. I first thought that they were purge trooper from Jedi Fallen Order. See, I remember the name of the game. So here we are. So they were very similar to the, those purge troopers. So I thought maybe they're purge troopers and make that connection to the game. But if they're troopers, why are they just standing there? So they look like droids, basically. Well, I didn't know what type of droids. Then our friend talking with my hands posted, oh, they look like dog troopers, which I guess is from some other games. Some dog troopers are actually droids, but they look like stormtroopers. And I think someone then posted or replied to him saying that if you put uh, some special audio on the episode, it does, does say that they're dog troopers. So very interesting if they bring this up. I got to do a little bit more research about dog troopers. Uh, but basically, they look like some special kind of super battle droids or something. We know that Din Djarin doesn't like those droids, so that's going to be interesting. So we'll see. Whew, that's a quick review of the episode. So another great episode. This season so far has been hitting it out of the park. This time, because for me, I love Mandalorian. I love Clone Wars. I love Rebels, but I've always held the movies to a higher standard. To me, Star Wars are the nine movies plus Solo and Rogue One, that's the main Star Wars to me. I love all the TV shows. When I think Star Wars, I think about the movies. But at one point during this episode, and it's not the episode as an isolated event, it's the whole thing. But at this point, I thought for the first time that The Mandalorian is rivaling the movies in terms of enjoyment and what it means for Star Wars. I started, I was came a point in the episode that I was, this is better than some of the movies in general general and what they mean for star wars being only four episodes in into season two we have we're halfway basically we still have ahsoka coming up apparently next episode everything with moff gideon so this season is going great and i think it's just gonna keep going getting better and better as it goes on so we can only have six more days to wait or if you listen to this a little bit later maybe five four three two one day, maybe you're listening to this on Friday, right before the next episode, and that's fine. Gets you ready for them. So, like I mentioned, next episode, chapter 13, it's already been rumored out there. And again, this is all spoiler talk. So, sorry, I should have put this up. Oh, and I didn't change this. That's from last week. Anyway, spoilers for The Mandalorian. If you didn't know, it's a little bit late. But anyway, so... Spoilers, if you don't want to know, next episode, chapter 13, which is the one directed by Dave Filoni, is supposedly called The Jedi. If it's called The Jedi, we know Ahsoka Thanos coming out. There were rumors it was going to be about an hour long. Then that was updated. It was going to be closer to 45 to 40 to 50 minutes, which is still great. It will be the second longest of the season. So we can't wait for next week. It's going to be awesome if we get Ahsoka. I still think Ahsoka might be there only for one episode, but who knows? So what can happen next week? If we get Ahsoka, are we getting Bo-Katan? Is she coming back? First, probably no. Is Ahsoka by herself? Will we see Sabine? Will she be with Ahsoka? Any mention of Ezra and their journey? Will we know? Did they find Ezra already? Is this, are they on the lookout for Ezra? So there's a lot that can happen next episode, which makes me very excited. One thing I want to see if it happens next episode, because we already know Giancarlo Esposito mentioned before the season started that Moff Gideon is going to have an epic lightsaber battle with someone. 
it can't be Ahsoka because Ahsoka would just scrub the floor with him. At this point, Ahsoka, as a Jedi, you know, her force powers is up here. So there's no way, even if Moff Gideon is somehow force sensitive, there's no way he's going to have an epic fight with Ahsoka. So this is my theory of or what I think might happen maybe even next week or who knows if Ahsoka comes back for another episode. So if that epic lightsaber battle is going to happen, it makes sense that it's going to be against Bo-Katan because Bo-Katan wants the lightsaber to rule Mandalore and everything we know about the Darksaber past. So the way this can happen is very similar to the way Sabine fought Gar Saxon in Rebels for the Darksaber. So Gar Saxon has the Darksaber, Sabine uh, challenges him and Ezra lends her his lightsaber and they have that lightsaber battle. I see this happening and no one can interfere because this is a Mandalorian thing. They have to do this themselves. So I think it's gonna be a very similar situation where Bo-Katan challenges Moff Gideon for the Darksaber and then Ahsoka gives her one of her lightsabers to battle Moff Gideon and the Darksaber. So if that happens, I don't think they'll be on this episode. It has to be a little bit further because I don't. Moff Gideon is not going to die next next episode. This is going to keep going at least for the end of the series. And unless they take the Darksaber away so early and then the story just moves forward. But I think that's a way to bring Bo-Katan and Ahsoka together and have that same confrontation similar to the way that Sabine had with Gorge Saxon in Rebels for the Darksaber. So that's my thoughts on it. We'll see if it happens. Whew, so yeah, that's it for our look back at, not look back, our review and recap of chapter 12 of The Mandalorian. I forgot the name for a second. Chapter 12. The siege. So yeah, it was chapter twelve. That was my my fault. My fault. It was called the siege. I just didn't change the number of the chapter on my graphic down there. But all right. So what do you guys thought of the episode? Just Mandalorian in general, season two. Are you guys liking it? Do you prefer season one? Is it going the way you thought it was gonna be going? Just let me know. I don't the chat. Drop me a comment here. Let me know on Twitter. As you guys know, you can follow us on Twitter. At Radio Rebel Pod. Um, if you're listening to us on the podcast, you know where to find us on YouTube and all that stuff. And if you're listening, you prefer to listen on podcast, then you can find us everywhere also. Uh, don't forget to hit that like button, that thumbs up if you're watching this now or later. Uh, if you're not subscribed to us, make sure to subscribe. It always helps the channel. If you, the more people that subscribe to it, the more likes that we get. Drop a comment down below if you can. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, just make sure to give us a rating and a review. We, we like listening to those and reading those. So go ahead. Oof, a little hot here in Florida today. I know it's almost end of November, but yeah, it was it's, it's hot over here. I should say it. I'll say it later, but we're getting close to Thanksgiving. So happy holidays to everyone. I guess it's officially the holiday season. And all right, so let's go to our second part of our show. We're running a little bit late, but that's fine. It's all fine. We're all doing great here. And we are talking about the one that started it all on our Star Wars Rewind. Star Wars A New Hope, the one that started it all. So yes. If you were alive in 1977 and you went to the theaters 
May 25th, I guess it was, your mind was probably blown out of your brain and you have no idea what was going on, but it was probably the most epic time of your life. And unfortunately, I, not unfortunately, I wasn't alive in 1977, so I can't complain really. But yeah, we started doing these rewinds, these looks, look back at the Star Wars movie, and we've been doing them not by release order, but chronologically. But today we've reached A New Hope, also known as Star Wars, as it was originally known when George Lucas pitched this the first time. So there's so much to talk about this movie, how important it is just in the general culture for everything out there in the world. Star Wars It's what brought us our love to this epic saga. So, so many people were inspired by these directors, actors, writers, special effects visual effects artists, they point to Star Wars as being that inspiration. And what can we say? It's we don't blame them. We see this and we know all the, how great this is still now, 43 years later, is still great. I watched this last week. It doesn't matter. It's one of those movies that it holds up. Um, a lot of times you see old movies and you don't want to watch it. It's just that it's grainy, the special effects, the dialogue, things don't hold up. But Star Wars, for some reason, it doesn't matter. It's five years later, 43 years later, it's this story of Star Wars, of A New Hope, that carries this for generations on end. And I love this movie so much. It's, and again, I'm waiting for my rankings for later on, but it's you can imagine how high this is going to be on my ranking. A lot of people have this as their favorite because without A New Hope, there's not Empire Strikes Back, Revenge of the Sith, Last Jedi, not a, The Mandalorian, nothing exists obviously without A New Hope. And it is a great movie still. Uh, trailer, I'm not gonna talk about the trailer. I didn't have a chance to check it out. But again, it's those older trailers, mm -hmm. just not the same trailers that we see now. So let's talk about the posters real quick. There's a, again, a lot of great posters for A New Hope. And these are some of my favorite. This is the original one. Uh, we see the main cast there, Luke, Leia Han, Darth Vader with that orange lightsaber for some reason. We have the droids, Obi-Wan. So it's a great poster. Um, a lot of people, I mean, not a lot of people, that's not the only great poster. Then you have, this is another classic one that gets reimagined and reinvented with Luke Skywalker and his 20 pack and that great chest Leia just laying there and Luke's lightsaber just doing that cross guard. We've seen this, we saw it for Last Jedi, it's been done a hundred times and it's just some great poster that came out of the Drew Struzan and everyone that's involved with Star Wars. It's knocked it out of the park, the movie. John Williams, come on, it's the greatest soundtrack probably ever started the greatest soundtrack in music in movie history with all the themes in this movie and a new hope so again not just like i mentioned before everyone that's been inspired by star wars to per, to pursue their, their dreams all the composers and music artists out there that were inspired by john williams and what he's done before doing so was and afterwards everything starts here breakout uh breakthrough in special effects again they still we all talk about let's Forget about the prequels and just all the CGI. Give us those tangible creatures, all the real things that we can feel that they're dirty, they're there, we can touch them. All that started here, they still hold up. You see 
you go to the cantina, that cantina scene, all the creatures are there, practical effects, everything looks great. It's not just, oh, look at that guy wearing an alien mask. No, you believe that that Greedo thing, that Rodian, it's there and it's real just because of all that innovation that they did for this movie that can be replicated, unfortunately. Uh, the cantina scene, like I mentioned, that's another when you think about a new hope. The cantina music, the cantina scene is great. We see Obi Wan. Obi Wan loves his bars. We saw it on uh, twice on Attack of the Clones. They go to a bar when they're chasing uh, some whistle, and we see him when he goes to Dex's diner. He needs a drink, and then he he's back in his atmosphere in the bar. Chops down a hand. He's done it before, but it's a great scene with blue milk. It's another. Th who would have thought that just a glass of blue milk would become iconic? You see that now? That's Star Wars. We all want to go to Galaxy's Edge and drink some blue milk. At least I want. I haven't done it yet. So it's a great movie, a great scene. Some minor details that just elevate this. Again, for 43 years, again, blue milk, who cares? We do because uh, it's Star Wars. It's so awesome. Let me say hi to Force of Light, Michelle, Natalie. How are you guys doing? And see? I got my water today. I told you, Natalie, if you're there, and Michelle also, I'm going to bring my water today because I'm also going to be with a dry throat for an hour and a half. So, All right, so we have some great villains in this, and we're going to be, I'll go so over the characters and what their stories meant, at least for me, and everything they went through. We won't do a what I like and what I didn't like, like I did with the previous rewind. So, but we have some other great scenes that Death Star is another iconic vehicle that came out from this movie. We have a great villain in Tarkin that we just saw Rogue One. So if you're going from Rogue One to A New Hope, then you have that, oh, okay, I know who this guy is. This is that douche from before that just raining on everyone's parade. But if you don't know if this is the first time with the first movie you're watching when this came out, obviously, then Tarkin is a great villain, this great uh, aristocrat there, but he doesn't care. He's going to destroy planets just because he wants to. We have a mention of the Emperor. For some reason, I thought the Emperor Emperor wasn't mentioned till Empire Strikes Back, but there's a quick mention of the Emperor here. Alderaan blowing up. Who knew that... It, you could destroy a planet just with a space station, right? So that's another great thing that Star Wars brought into it. And now it hits a lot different from the because of the prequels, because of Rogue One. We know Bail Organa. We've always, yeah, Bail, he was on Alderaan when it blew up. If you watch Rogue One right before this, the last time we see, see him, he tells Mon Mothma, oh, I got to go back to Alderaan and talk to my people because I got to tell, tell them what's going on. So we know he's there with Brea, his wife, and he's unfortunately he just gets blown up. Um, so the start of this movie, Mooney, the start of this movie is another iconic intro. So of course we have the Tantif going over space, and then this massive star destroyer going behind it that seems to go on forever. Never seen this before on the movies, on any movies. So it's a great introduction, a very iconic introduction. A lot of people held this as their favorite Star Wars intro, and I can't judge them for that. But then we go inside the ship, and then we have these white holes with the white stormtroopers coming in, and then this black intimidating figure walking through in Darth Vader, all dressed in black from top to bottom in these white hallways. It's a very contrasting image, very intimidating for the one to show. 
people of my age were used to the bad guys always hiding in the shadows and we don't see who they are till the end of the movie here no the first three minutes boom here's Darth Vader he's the one we're gonna hate he's the bad guy we're not hiding him this isn't Jaws you're gonna see him he's gonna be front and center in this movie and here he is so it's a great introduction to the character he's choking people left and right throwing them against the through the hallways against the walls and again, it's a great introduction to the character. It puts in that mood that yeah, we, we gotta be we gotta keep our eye open for this guy. I love Imperial Void Rooms. That's something that I've said I missed from the sequel trilogy. We got a little bit in Rise of Skywalker. But I love seeing all the Imperials in their big office rooms, having meetings, no Zoom. And they do have those holograms, but and then, of course, it's a great scene. We'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about Darth Vader, that introduction when they're all talking about, uh, forget about the Senate. The Emperor has dissolved the Senate, and now regional governors will be in charge. And then, of course, a great scene after. We'll keep going. So very funny movie with C-3PNR 2D2. They knock it out of the park. We'll mention it in a few. We have, um, I forgot what I was saying. Because uh, I have on my notes. Oh, of course, Solo, Han Solo, when he's, it's fine. Everything's fine. How are you guys? Very funny movie. Uh, let me say hi to someone real quick. Geeky Wapo, thank you for being here. This is the scene. This scene is how I got hooked onto Star Wars. So yeah, again, that's a movie that's so 43 years old. It's so iconic. Some great images, uh, imagery in this movie. And A New Hope, you can, I can watch A New Hope almost every day also. Uh, I need more water. I'm sorry, guys. I'm thinking I'm taking like 20 sips already. So let me go through this real quick, and then we'll start talking about some of the characters. Uh, so another great scene. Again, it's the ending, the battle over Yavin. It's one of the best scenes, the trench and all that stuff. And I was thinking, as they're, oh, we're rounding the planet Yavin. They're on the Imperial, I mean, the rebels are on the moon. It's going to take us 10 minutes to round the planet, and we'll destroy them. Couldn't they just blow up Yavin, just blow up the planet? It's gonna explode. The moon is gonna go. They explode Yavin. All the shrapnel, all the pieces of the planet is gonna take the moon or the shock. Or you know, there's no air in space. I don't know, no shock wave. But they could just blow up Yavin. I'm sure the moon will have just blown up. Or they could. Okay, planet's gone. Shoot the moon. Let's get over back to Coruscant. The emperor has a a tea party at five, we gotta make it. So come on, talking. Next time, just blow up the planet. It's right in front of you. Blow it up, get it out of the way, blow up the moon. Shorter movie, of course, but it doesn't matter. And then the medal, medal ceremony. Medal ceremony. Uh, great ending. George Lucas thought that was it for Star Wars. So the music. Um, so the medal ceremony is great. I wish I had that yellow jacket that Luke Skywalker walks into it. I don't know how many clothes he had on Yavin. I don't know what he took from Tatooine or who gave him that yellow jacket, but if you have one, send it my way. Yeah, it's gotta be drama dramatic, Geeky Waffle. You know it, Candace. Everything is dramatic in Star Wars. It's blow up the planet. No, talking wants to go around, wants to do it. I think it is because he saw it on Jedha, right? He saw how it how it worked on Jedi. We're gonna do the the solar eclipse, blow the planet so everyone sees us and then keep going. So he's gonna creep his way 
around the oven. Okay, are we in full? Are we getting the right light from the sun? Are all the cameras from the Holonet here so they know what we're doing? Because you're alive, you should not listen to me. Call me next time, I'll give you some pointers. All right, so um, before we go now into characters, so not my favorite Star Wars movie. I know I just said five minutes ago, I wasn't gonna rate them, but it's up there. But A New Hope has my favorite scene in all Star Wars and my favorite theme music, my favorite score. And they're both on the same scene. And it's, I've talked about this before, it's Luke Skywalker looking at the binary sunsets. He tells Uncle Owen and Baru, I guess I'm going nowhere because he's done with this. He wants to go to the Academy. And you know what, let's start with Luke Skywalker right now. So we've mentioned, everyone says, Luke Skywalker is just a whiny teenager, just a whiny kid on A New Hope. He's annoying. Yes, agree. But he's what, 17, 18, we've been there. We've been teenagers with living still with our parents at 17 to 19 years old. I wanted to have long hair. No, cut your hair, my dad used to say. I had an earring, eh, no, take that out. If you're living under my roof, you're doing my, follow my rules, right? Then we have, I had a big goatee back there. I dyed it red one day. No, you better shave that. What the hell are you doing? So I understand this is a teenager that wants to do more with his life, but he's shackled here in his uncle and aunt's house. He has to follow the rules. So that's when he says, oh, I want to go. I was going to touch station to pick up some power converters. He wants to do stuff, his own stuff, hang out with his friends and his uncle is holding him back. No, I don't have, I have pics of me with long hair knowing my red goatee. I do have some with long hair. Maybe I put those, but come on, you always, we just talked about being dramatic. So I think that's why you're, you're saying this. But then he, you know this, it's not a secret. Yeah, I am. I am. So, he gets up from the table with his blue milk and he says, um, I'm done with this. And Umberu says, well, you're going, uh, I guess I'm going nowhere. So yes, he's whiny, but there's a reason why. He walks out, music starts, binary sunsets, Jedi theme, Star Wars theme, whatever you want to call it, just starts. And Luke walks to that little sand hill, just looking out. He's looking at his future, his hope. He believes that he's met more on this life and just being a moisture farmer, but he needs to find a way to get out of here. And that's, I mentioned, that's what Star Wars is. It's that hope that we're meant to do more than what we might believe it's entrusted to us. So what we've been given, we're, we can do more. So he's looking over that twin sunsets, that great John Williams score comes in. I get teary eyed because I know what that feels like and what Lucas Phoenix, I can't be here. It's, my life is not here. I need to be out there. So that scene, it's awesome. Uh, so we go from Luke Skywalker being that whiny kid on Tatooine. Then he meets Obi-Wan, oh, Ben Kenobi. And then, no, before that, when he meets C-3PO and R2-D2, and he, they're talking to him back home and r 2 3PO is going, oh yeah, we've been, he mentions the rebellion and then Luke's eyes just pop up. Oh, you know about the rebellion against the empire? And then um, 3PO goes, yeah, yeah, we've been in a lot of battles talking about carbon scoring, but Luke's just gets like, yeah, that's that's what I want. I want to be out there. I want to join join the academy so then I can just defect and go battle the rebellion because we gotta, we gotta get out of here. We can't let the empire do all this stuff. So that excitement that Luke gets, gets me excited for the movie. 
I know a lot of people looking at you, Geeky Waffle, and some of your staff don't like the first 40 minutes of this movie before Han Solo shows up to me. I love the beginning of this movie, though. Everything on Tatooine with first Vader, Leia talking, all that on that end, Luke with Obi-Wan with R2 before they meet Han Solo. I love those 40 minutes. It seems like a long time, especially how important Han Solo is. But there's 40, 42 minutes where he doesn't show up. At least I enjoyed that part. Of course, the movie then picks up a little bit more after that. Hey, Kat, let me say hi to someone real quick. Kat, Vader, girl, 28. Hi, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, I know. It's Brie. It's just Brie. I like Brie, but she has some weird... I know. He, she also subscribes to that Darth Jar Jar story. I, I don't, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> um, so then, unfortunately, we know Uncle and on Baru and Owen get, gets killed. He goes back to, to what we want and then delivers a great line. I wanna, I wanna go to with you to Alderaan, learn the ways of the Jedi, learn the ways of the force and become a Jedi like my father. I had four years. I've always said Boba Fett is my favorite character and that's just a nostalgic thing. I know everything It's not that. He's my favorite character, but yeah, okay. Luke Skywalker for, 25 years was my favorite Jedi until Obi-Wan and all that, the William from the Clone Wars and the prequels and all that stuff. So Luke Skywalker was always my favorite Jedi. And I'll talk more when we get to Revenge of Return of the Jedi, but one of my favorite Luke Skywalker scenes and lines is when he throws his lightsaber down and says, I'm a, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Everyone thinks I prefer the Sith. I always quote that line, no, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And it all starts from that scene what he says to Obi-Wan, I want to go with you, learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. He doesn't know his father. He only hears the story. What Obi-Wan just told him, yeah, your father was corrupted by the Dark Lord of the Sith, was a pupil of mine and all that stuff. But Luke Skywalker goes from that kid that just wants to go and spend time with his friends who wanted to become a Jedi like his father, all the great stories as he's heard. He's a great fighter, a great pilot. I'm a great pilot. I got to do more. I got to get out of here then does a great line again when they meet Leia on the Death Star. I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. And then she goes, Ben Kenobi, yeah, we're here. We got you all two units and just, we're here to rescue you. I'm here, ah, again, this, there's so much about this movie, I'll keep going and going, but it all starts with Luke Skywalker. He's the hero of the trilogy, the hero of the saga, it's the Skywalker saga. And it starts with this kid, the great hero's journey and Again, I can keep going on about Luke Skywalker for so much longer, but again, with over an hour already, I tried to give these shows one hour, it's not really working out. But yeah, that's Luke Skywalker. And of course the medal ceremony, his heroic journey in the trench run. I don't know how he didn't crash. He starts hearing voices because Obi-Wan is gone. He doesn't know anything about the force and force goes and he hears a voice, just let go, look, let go. And he says, hey, okay, I'll trust this voice in my head. People out there, don't trust voices in your head. They're not always telling you the best things to do. But I guess Luke didn't listen to me. All right, so let's talk about Princess Leia for a minute and the hologram that changed the galaxy. It all starts again, a simple hologram Save me, Ben Kenobi, you're my only hope. And then R2D2 taking this message. But again, it's a hologram that it's been used for whatever you want to say. Everyone uses this as an homage to, to Star Wars and to Princess Leia. 
Princess Leia, one of the first times that we meet a princess that's not that typical princess that we've been ingrained with, with all the stories and fairy tales. It's someone that can take care of herself. She won't say no to help, but she doesn't need your help. And we learned this as Geeky Waffle says, Candace keeps saying, she just straight up lies on Darth Vader's face when they board the ship. He knows, it's like, I saw you through that little viewport on my ship. I saw you with the same hope, holding our plants and just going to hyperspace. I saw you with the plants. Don't tell me you're on a diplomatic mission from Ard to Alderaan. Where's your consulate? If this is a consulate ship, where's your ambassador? Like he told the other guy, you're lying to me. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm on a diplomatic mission. Uh, get out of my ship. So she stood up lights in his face. Who else? Who else can do that to Darth Vader? She lies to talking five minutes later. Oh, I smell your stench 20 miles away. You were holding Vader's leash. Vader just chokes everyone. He just chokes someone on the boardroom floor because they didn't believe about the power of the force. And she's again just, yeah, he's a, almost, he's a freaking dog and you're holding his leash talking, you stinky guy. Leia, come on. That's a badass. That's who you want to be when you grow up, right? I would. Uh, so yeah, that's awesome. Um, then again, that great scene on in, on the Death Star when Luke Skywalker walks, are you a little short for a stormtrooper? Oh, the costume, or I think he says the costume. I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here with, ben, I got your R2 unit, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Again, I then, ah, wow, Ben Kenobi? And she starts yelling at Han Solo, who the hell are you? Get this walking carpet out of my way. I guess I have to save everyone into the garbage chute, Flyboy, Leia. Again, that's the hero of the rebellion. She was there from the beginning all the way to the end. Great introduction to the character. Carrie Fisher, may she rest in peace, does great with this character that could go either way. She's dressing white with that long gown, but it doesn't matter. Then she's on the boardroom telling everyone what they need to do on Yavin. And it keeps going for Empire Strikes Back and all that stuff. So. Again, it's great the way she tells Hans, I don't know who you are or where you came from, but here, you, I'm the one that gives orders here. You just follow my lead. Of course, we. it was too easy that we escaped. They let us go. Now, this ship, Leia, one of the best characters in Star Wars and in sci-fi fantasy ever. Like you said it, Salacious, yeah. Yes, Leia is amazing, not to be messed with, and that is for sure. And it keeps going. It's not just one... One of the critiques of the prequels is how they handled Padme. She does a lot in episode one. She's very similar to Leia in that she's diplomatic, but also does a lot of action. The last two episodes, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, she's delegated to the back and a lot of it, especially by the end of it. Princess Leia, now she's always on the forefront of the battle, either forefront actually fighting or in the back doing the plan. So. Princess Leia, Leia Organa, Solo, she's great. And Solo and Chewbacca, like I said, they don't show up, show up for the first 45 minutes of the movie. So I'm looking at my notes because I don't want to forget. And I know I'm going a little bit quick, but I'm trying to end the show a little bit before. And I want to, ooh, excuse me, an hour and a half. So Han Solo and Chewbacca, one of the greatest duos ever. Uh, again, they don't show up for the first half of the movie or the first act of the movie 
and he's still on this minute. You've never heard of the Menelium Falcon, the ship that made a castle run in 12 par in less than 12 parsec. We mentioned this when we talked about Solo. He's the only one that cares about the castle run. No one else cares about the castle run. The guys on Savarin don't care that they made the castle run. Obi-Wan doesn't care or that hasn't heard of the Millennium Falcon or the castle run. Uh, Ray says, oh, did the castle run 14 parsecs, 14, 12. No one cares, hon. Oh, I get it. You do want to care. Uh, one thing that for the people out there that say that the solo that Alden Eric Enright portrays in Solo is not the same solo that we meet with Harrison Ford in episode four. And I think it is. Solo, Han Solo is a sponge, like a chameleon for the things he wants to become. We see this in Solo that he sees Beckett flipping the guns and doing all that fun stuff. And show me that. Tell me how to do that. He wants to do that. He's already getting a recognition as a as an outlaw with the name Han Solo. So of course it's not gonna change the Solo name that was given to him to, as a, by an Imperial because he's already getting that notoriety with that name. And then one thing that I like here, keeping that progression going, he calls Luke Skywalker kid a lot of time. Hey kid, we can do that. Hey kid, the same way that Beckett refers to Han as kid during Solo. A lot of times I, Beckett just calls him kid and he just grabbed this and then uses kid to refer to Luke Skywalker. Again, that mentor kind of relationship he grabbed from Beckett is now using it with Solo. So I love Han Solo, who does? And he's a cool guy. We all wanted to be Han Solo growing up. Um, I don't mind. I know a lot of people don't like Jabba showing up during the, on the special editions. I don't mind it. It doesn't take me out. He does look kind of weird. It's not that puppet. Uh, Han does repeat a lot of the same lines that he just told Greedo about, oh, if you want to just come see me yourself, you don't send one of your cronies. I'm, I, even I get bored sometimes. So the same things he tells Greedo, he tells Java. So it's kind of why you're repeating yourself. But my thing is, okay, Han, you're this great smuggler. No one messes with you. You don't take crap from anyone. He knows that Java has a bounty on him, right? We all know. Grido knows, Java knows, everyone knows that Java the Hutt is looking for you. And where does he hide? On a cantina on Tatooine in the most populated spaceport in the whole planet. Really, dude? If you're going to hide from a mobster, don't hide on the same planet where they're going to find you, on the spaceport where all the base space pirates are at. Find a better spot. Go to Mos Pelgo. They won't find you over there. So I don't know. What? Why do you want to fight me, Michael? I will fight you now for Java's views. Java. Now leave Java out of this. Again, and it's kind of weird when he calls him Java. You're a phenomenal human being. We know that he was supposed to be a human actor. He got changed with that. It is a little bit weird when he calls him a human being at that point. Um, what a piece of junk, of course, when they see that. The Falcon, he's, uh, it's, she got it when it counts. And of course, a great transition where his great character, he's just in it for the money. They save the princess, he's going home. Hey kid, come with us, we can use you. Me, Chewie, same thing that he tells Ray. Me, Chewie, Ray, the Falcon, come on, we, can, we really can use you. It's the same thing that he told Luke. And Luke's like, look around, they need us here. 
or he leaves. And of course, does that turn, comes back, helps everyone. You're all clear, kid. Now take the shot and let's take the shot and let's get out of here. So Han Solo, great transition, great character. And I don't care if he shot first or not, same as the Java one. It's again, it it doesn't change the movie for me. It's McClunky. That's one thing. McClunky. So again, I don't care who shot first. I really don't like McClunky, but I did laugh a lot when I saw when I heard it this time. I know it's coming. It's coming. McClunky. It's so dumb, but it it's fine. I guess just leave it. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi, favorite Jedi. I just said that Luke Skywalker used to be my favorite Jedi. It changed. It's now Obi Wan Kenobi. Here we only know him as Ben Kenobi doing his trade dragon. Woo -hoo -hoo. That's not what a trade dragon sounds. We just saw it on the Mandalorian. Anyway, he scares off the sand people. Does a great hello there. That it's there. We're gonna hear it in the Kenobi series probably. Uh, he does a great mention of, mention of the Clone Wars. First time we hear the Clone Wars. Oh, you follow the Clone Wars with my father. Uh, the Force. First time we hear about the Force and everything behind it. Um, and he does one of the greatest lines in Star Wars that then is repeated. It's one of the mantras of Star Wars. May the Force be with you always. Again, it starts with this movie. Starts with Ben Kenobi. Uh, does the mind trick for the first time. These are not the droids you're looking for. Um, so yeah. Ben Kenobi starts, you just took your first steps into a larger world. So I mentioned how the Force is one of my favorite things in Star Wars. So hearing that scene between Luke and Obi-Wan on Kenobi's hut is really important for Star Wars and it gives you a basis and a background that we didn't have at this point about what were the Clone Wars, the light side, the dark side. A uh, pupil of mine that was seduced by the dark side and then starts that journey that will follow in Empire Strikes Back when Luke is training with Yoda and that conversation is the dark side stronger. It all starts with Kenobi in his hut talking to Luke Skywalker. And then there is that great scene at the end before he perishes. And I'll take this, someone else said this on Twitter. This isn't my original thought and I'm sorry I didn't catch the name of the person. But we all... We've all seen Vader and Obi-Wan have that confrontation at the end. Then Kenobi looks to the side, sees Luke Skywalker, smiles and says, okay, strike me down, I'll become more, more powerful than you ever imagined. And that's when he sacrifices himself. We've always seen it. Okay, he's sacrificing himself to, to give more time to Luke Skywalker, Han, Leia, and everyone to just escape. That's why he's sacrificing himself for the rebellion to make sure it the rebellion moves on to fight another day. But then someone posted on Twitter, what went through Obi-Wan's mind when he looked to the side and for the first time in 18, 19 years, sees Luke Skywalker and Leia Skywalker reunited for the first time. Last time, the only time he's seen them was there when Padme passed away, giving birth to the twins. Obi-Wan was there, separate them, I'll look over the boy. 18 years later, he sees them finally reunited. His whole journey of staying on Tatooine to look after Luke Skywalker has led to this moment. So now I can go in peace. I can join the force and do my part on the other side. My job of protecting the boy, it's done. I did my part. I joined, I brought the twins together. I never thought of it that way. 
and I don't know, I'm getting emotional right now just saying this. It's that's why Obi-Wan is such a compelling character to me. Everything he's went through, we talked about in one of our episodes with talking with my hands, talking about Kenobi suffering through his whole life, ending in this moment of seeing his whole life journey complete because he brought the Skywalker twins together and then now they are the chosen one. They'll finish the journey. And he's sacrificing himself for them. Now takes another meaning for me. That scene makes him, again, one of the best scenes in Star Wars now. And then he gives a little smile to Vader, closes his eyes, the music swells, and the rest is history. Kenobi, we love you. Oh, I need a water. I need a drink after that. Whew. All right, so let's go to our bad guy, Darth Vader. Like I mentioned, this menacing character in black walking through these white hallways of that Tantive. Is it Tantive, Tantive? Whatever, walking through that rebel ship, hands on his hips, looking sideways, sees all the dead rebels on the floor. He's, he's probably thinking, yeah, I know this. I just did this five minutes ago. I was chopping people's on a, uh, rebels on a hallway. I like this. I like this. He walks, chokes a guy out. If you're on a consulate ship, where's the ambassador? Plan those out the window. And then, like I mentioned before, and everyone loves Darth Vader's his dad jokes, right? Some people say they didn't work in Rogue One, they work here in A New Hope when the Imperial is saying, oh, your sorceress ways, Lord Vader, no one cares. You're what the only thing left of that old religion, or that's talking later, but oh, don't try to scare us with your sorceress ways, Lord Vader. He's just looking there. And I know. Darth Vader is the voice, right? It's That's what we all love about it. We don't give David Prose a lot of credit that he deserves as acting for Darth Vader. Now with Mandalorian, for example, we know that Pedro Pascal is the voice and it's very important. That's what we associate it with. But the two stunt, stunt actors that do the body performance are just as important. So David Prowse does should get it a little bit more recognition for that for this scene at least he might when i see they're telling him to his face oh your sorcerer's way he's just standing there for a few seconds and then he starts walking over like okay i'm gonna tell something to this here and then just again classic as classic can be i find your lack of faith disturbing again this is something again new hope just broke every ground we see this guy talking crap and then of course Starts choking out of nowhere. I find your lack of faith deserving. Lord Vader, release him. Starts walking out as you wish. <sighs> That's all you need to know about Vader. He's using this weird magic trick that we have no idea. So we have to be scared of this guy. He can just choke us from across the hallway. Next to the power of the force, this technological terror you've constructed is nothing next to the power power of the force. So it starts building again on that this magical force and how important it is. Uh, he senses Obi-Wan. Vader senses that Obi-Wan sits on the desk. We just talk about being dramatic. When Obi-Wan turns, turns the corner, Vader's already there with his lightsaber on. He's not waiting. He's not having a conversation. He just, last time he saw Obi-Wan, as far as we know, we'll see on the Kenobi series, he got chopped up and left for dead on Mustafa. He said, I'm not doing this crap again. His lightsaber is on. I'm going to kill this guy as soon as I see him. So Vader, very dramatic, but we love you anyway. 
and then that great battle conversation between Kenobi and Vader. Uh, last time I saw you, I was more, more a learner. Now I am the master. And then, of course, being that great pilot, doing the flippy flips, shooting down all the X-Wings on the train shot until this cheater, Han Solo, knocks him out of the way. What? Go spinning. But, of course, we'll see him again in Empire Strikes Back. And fun thing, and I'm pretty sure you guys know, people that listen to this show know, we don't listen to the Imperial March at anywhere in A New Hope. The first time we we hear it for the first time is in Empire Strikes Back and then becomes this iconic scene. All right, Michael, thanks for joining us. Hope to see you later at some point and hopefully you didn't get in trouble at work for listening to us. So thanks for being here. Have a great show if you're having your show later on. And then we can finish our talk about and you hope if we don't talk about the heart or the, we'll say, it's not the heart, but we'll mention R2D2 and C3PO. It's all couple. And only thing I'm going to say, because we're running running long, it's, they're so fun in this movie. R2D2 and 3PO down the desert on Tatooine, 3PO kicking him, saying, oh, you go that way, I'll go the other way, you'll be begging to come back and don't follow me, I'm done with you. He just leaves and then 20 minutes later, oh, he tricked me. Oh, that droid. It's great. It's an all married couple and they just, that banter is some of the best in Star Wars. I also love how Trippio goes when <laughs> Owen and, and Luke are getting the droids from the Jawas. Say, oh, take that blue one. And he's worked with me before. He's great. You won't have any issues with him. Then when R2D2 goes running away, it's like, oh, he's always getting me in trouble. I don't know. What's his problem? He's always getting into mischief. Dude. Three hours ago, you were betting your life on this droid, and now you're just throwing him under the bus. But that's our, that's Trippio, and we love him. Uh, so yeah, again, we could keep going on and on. We've been talking for 40 minutes about A New Hope. It's the Star Wars that started it all. It brought a lot of us into this world. I really got into Star Wars when I saw A New Hope again in the movie theaters during when they, they were re-released, -re the special editions in the late 90s. That's when I really got into Star Wars. I know started with this movie. I remember, remember coming out of the movie theaters blown. Like I've seen this movie 20 times, 20 times before, but now it's yes, Star Wars is my life, and it's time to a new hope. So thank you, George Lucas, John, John Williams, and everyone that is involved with a new hope. So yes, that brings an end to the rewind of a new hope. And let's just keep going real quick and we'll talk about rebel thoughts when you guys i hear from you guys or fans i put out the call out there on twitter for you guys to send me your your questions or your rebel thoughts and we have one today which for some reason i didn't write down so i do have it on my phone i did write it down sorry where's my i am lying to you guys here we go i don't wanna not give a shout out to someone so here we go. Our friend, I don't know if you can see it there, self-isolating Josh B. at Captain Sancho. And he writes, okay. So he, he first asked what type of questions we're looking for. And here on Radio Rebellion, we look for, we take any Star Wars questions. It doesn't matter. So he says, okay, then let's open the can of gun dogs, shall we? Our Star Wars fans to rabbit. Talk amongst yourself. Or Star Wars fans rabbit. So I think that easy answer is yes, right? But there's there's both ends. We'll try to do this as quickly as possible. So yeah, there's a lot of 
negativity in the Star Wars fandom. I don't see this anywhere else in terms of nerd fandom. I don't follow the others as closely as I do Star Wars, obviously. But I don't see this on the Marvel side, on DC, on Star Trek. I don't know why people are so consumed with canon, why everything has to align to that dot. We just saw it with Bo-Katan. If you follow canon, she's supposed to be over 60 years old, but here she is in The Mandalorian, not looking a day over 35 or whatever. Who cares? Who cares about canon? Sometimes we get too consumed on the little details and we don't enjoy it the way we should. That's what I said at the beginning. Sometimes I miss just being a casual fan and not worrying about it and all this negativity that's out there. So yeah, we're, we take it too serious sometimes and so we don't need to understand being passionate. And there's both two sides to most stories. We gotta listen to everyone. Everyone has a, if you like The Last Jedi, great. If you didn't like it, great. And that should be the end of it. Why do we need, no, I loved it. So you gotta love it too. And I don't care what you say, but I didn't like it. So you better not like it. And, Ryan Johnson is the devil. No, and don't take this out of context, please. <laughs> uh, like what you like, dislike what you dislike, talk about it as human beings and respect each other. That's what I should say. Yeah, we're too passionate, or what was the way that you say, said it? We too rabbit, yes, because we've grown with Star Wars. Star Wars is our life, our life basically, so we do take it seriously, but we shouldn't be rabid about it. And that's it, that's my, tip of the hat for you guys and that brings an end to our show thank you guys everyone everyone that showed up to the live chat everyone that popped in for a few minutes gave us our, some of your comments and views of a new hope mandalorians chapter 12 the siege can't wait for next week if it's really gonna be ahsoka's episode it's gonna be awesome uh make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram at radio rebel pod my personal Twitter at tweets by HC. You can follow us there. If you're listening to this on the audio podcast, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review and a rating if you don't mind. And of course, if you're listening to this on the YouTube channel, watching this on our YouTube channel, make sure that you're subscribed also so you don't miss any new episodes. Uh, don't forget to like this video and leave us a comment down below. Um, and I think that's it. So like I mentioned earlier, it is, we're getting close to Thanksgiving. Holiday season is here. So if you're going to go visit your family, have fun. But be careful out there. As you know, we always say here, stay safe. It's very important this week and every week. Holiday season is very important. We got to be with our families. But we got to do it safe. Think about others. So thank you guys again. Stay safe. Be safe. And may the force be with you. Radio Rebellion.